I got love for you, man. You know what, I'm <laughs> what are we talking about? You know, I'm not here to start any trouble. I'm only going to say nice things about you from now on. I think you're handsome, and I think you're a wonderful host. I'm fat and I'm overweight. Just don't say anything silly. I was waiting for you to say that. I'm not laughing about it. You think this is funny? I take this serious. You know, I don't want y'all to take anything that out of context that I'm saying. He's very funny. He likes to joke around a lot. As a personality and as an entertainer, yes. This is going to be really quick. I'm not taking any questions. Go ahead and get comfortable. I'm going to talk for a little bit. You're listening to Cabby Presents, the podcast. Welcome, 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 welcome to the show. I'm your host, Cabby Richards. Welcome back to the Cabby Presents podcast. I recently discovered there are some women that listen to this podcast. They listen to My Guy Mondays. So thank you. There are two. Two young ladies. So thank you, ladies. Glad you're sticking with me. And for the dudes, my dudes, I appreciate all the clicks and the downloads and the subscriptions and the fact that you devote about an hour of your day to my stupid voice and these fun conversations. I was going to say dumb. Sometimes they're dumb, but generally they're fun. This one is not dumb. This one is very fun. Since there are six weeks or so left in 2013, it's this time of year where Hollywood and various studios release all their Oscar-worthy films. So I went to the bullpen, and I'm getting Brian Wilson, the dude with the giant beard, who had unbelievable success in the major leagues. Okay, now I'm not getting that guy. It's a metaphor for my guy who is a film encyclopedia making his return to the Cabby Presents podcast for the fall movie review. He joins me in studio right now. If it's going to be an interview, I'm going to conduct it. So I'll answer my own questions, ask myself the questions, then give y'all the answers. Joining me, my own personal IMDb. In fact, he's the guy that the IMDb app was based on. He is a consultant. He is a film connoisseur, a purveyor of all the finer things that are recorded on celluloid or in a digital space or are on film. On his laptop, on his 80-inch television screen in his place, my dude Ari Pollock is in for the fall-slash-Christmas-slash-Oscar movie preview. Welcome back to Cabby Presents. Thank you for having me, man. I remember we had a lengthy conversation about your summer movies, the movies you were looking forward to. Most of them were comic book movies. Or like tentpole movies, because that's you and do enjoy the comic book genre of films, yeah? Oh, absolutely. I think I give you a ton of fantasy genre comic book movies in that breakdown. Yeah, but okay, what I, I, do, I re-listened to the conversation, and it's number 51 on the Cabby Presents podcast. If you guys want to check it out on iTunes, you can hear it. Um, number nine was The Conjuring. Which, to me, was the best movie oh, of the summer. Scary. Great recommendation. Thank you. And, uh, another, okay, and then, so in the combo, you also said some of the movies you're not going to waste your 13 bucks on. <laughs> Among them was The Heat, which I really enjoyed, which my 13 bucks, I felt I enjoyed, that I got my money's worth. I think it also did well in the box office. It made good bank and, uh... 
they might do a sequel, I would imagine, if it's, you know, just based on how much money they made. The, the heat smashed because there, in the summer, there were no movies that appealed to the female demographic. With all these huge action, fantasy, sci-fi movies, you know, and, and when dudes were, t- you know, dragging their girlfriends to, ladies needed some entertainment, too. So that movie made well over $100 million. Melissa McCarthy is a legit star. Sandra Bullock proves that she's bankable again, and with gravity, even more bankable. That was fantastic. So today in this podcast, we're gonna Ari's gonna preview the his top ten movies that are Oscar worthy. So let's begin. Without further ado, what Shakespeare play is that from? Is that from a Shakespeare play? Without further ado, well, there's a play called Much Ado About Nothing. Right, which I never read. Did you read that one? No. That's, uh, I know Denzel that was in that movie. in high school. That was, yeah, Denzel did do a, a modern day take on that one. Yeah, it, with, um, who's like Mr. Shakespeare? With Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, yeah. Is, is Kenneth Branagh putting any movies out this? Uh... He is. He's directing the Jack Ryan movie and starring as the villain. Is he? Yeah, he's like the Russian bad guy. It's, uh, but Jack... that's, that doesn't come out this year. No, yeah, it comes out this December. What? Yeah, actually, I was going to, in the interest of brevity, I was going to drop five blockbusters because I think those are going to be big moneymakers for the fall and the, and the winter and then go into my picks for, you know, more artistic films that will be coming out at the end of the year. Let's do it. Blockbusters All right. up. All right. So The Hobbit, Desolation of Smog. <laughs> what? That's just, I just, my Desolation of Smog, what does that even mean? The, it's actually taken from The Hobbit. If you look inside the jacket, there's like a map of Middle Earth, and there's a portion that says the desolation of smog, and that's where they stole the title from. So wait, is that where they're going to go? Are they going to go into this area where they're just smog? It's just going to be like a cloudy movie. No, 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 not smog, like the weather condition. That's the name of the dragon that's guarding this fortune (laughs) of gold. (laughs) S-M-A-U-G. Oh, okay. (laughs) Is that what Vin Diesel's going to play in one of the X-Men movies? Isn't he like a dragon or a tree? Uh, they haven't confirmed yet, but the, uh, the prevailing rumor is that he's going to play Thanos. Thanos. Yeah. Who's a tree? No, that's, oh, you know what? Sorry. That's, that character's name is Groot. So he could be that character because it's very, he has one line throughout the whole thing. And what is the line? It's like, I am Groot. I am Groot? That's what he just says all the time. Do you know it's that like it, Hodor from uh, Game of Thrones. Shout out to Game of Thrones. Who's Hodor in Game He's of Thrones? He's the big giant guy who carries around Bran. Who? Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, I remember the short story. I'll get back to you. The, the book, I Am Legend, I think it's written by Robert Matheson. I, I can't remember the author's name, but at the end of the book, he says, I Am Legend. Those are the last three words oh, of the really? book. Um, and I haven't read it. It's a great, great short story. Please continue. Okay, so The Wolf of Wall Street. Well, okay, so Scorsese and DiCaprio. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that will have a lot of artistic merit, but I think that's um, a little too obvious. And you wanted me to get some nuggets, so uh, that one, that one's getting going to get a lot of publicity. I thought it was coming out this Friday. That's what it was originally slated, and then it got pushed back to Christmas Day. Christmas Day. Well, that might be that a might Christmas be our Day movie. M- movie. Yeah, yeah. We have this tradition, which is almost, I think it's its close to 20 years. Every Christmas Day, we see a movie, with the exception of one year, we went to see Ali, and it was sold out. So, actually, I don't know if we saw, I don't know if we saw a movie, period, or we just didn't see that particular one, but I remember there was one thing that was messed up. Side note, Leo DiCaprio just celebrated, celebrated, excuse me, his 39th birthday, with Kanye West in two chains. Yep, you you see that. that on Instagram? I saw the uh, I saw the sl- I saw the uh, the headlines, but I didn't actually see any of the 
the footage from it. So he just like it just he just in a sea of like it looks like sixteen year old girls. Oh and at God. one point, and this girl was probably not sixteen, but he's like making out with like kissing this one girl, giving her the night of his life, Ugh. DiCaprio, and he's wearing like this old school like. Uh, one of those caps that like like a Kangol type of cap, but he's wearing it front way, front ways, like a kid that used to sell like newspapers in 1912. <laughs> Have you put him on your Kings of Earth list? DiCaprio is one of the Kings. He's of one Earth. of the Kings of Earth. Okay. Yeah, just curious. Please continue. Okay, this is a guilty pleasure for me, but I think a lot of people might like it. The 47 Ronin with Keanu Reeves, and it's that is 100% your guilty pleasure. <laughs> there are dudes. Nobody's checking for Keanu Reeves anymore as an actor, are he? <laughs> Who's checking for Keanu Reeves? Did he direct this one? No. What's the one that he directed? Man of Tai Chi. Okay, is this an, so this is another martial arts movie? Uh, oh, Ronin's are, Ronin's are samurais, right? So yeah, just sword play. Yeah. So they're not really kicking, they're not like kicking dudes in the face and jumping off buildings. Uh, they might. What would, I mean... They're not, it's not martial arts, it's more samurai swords and uh, that kind of stuff. It's not going to be lots of... Hand-to-hand fighting. You're right. It'll okay. More swords and- so that is 100% your guilty pleasure. <laughs> the 47 Ronin yeah. Keanu Reeves. Yes. And then uh, Jack Ryan, the one that we mentioned just a few minutes ago, That's uh, they're rebooting that franchise. So it had um, Alec Baldwin as one of the, the guys who played Jack Ryan. Then uh, Harrison Ford did a, had a really good run with that one. And then Ben Affleck had a kind of eh, so-so take. And now it's... Um, the guy who's, gonna, who's, who's Jack Ryan? Uh, the dude who plays Captain Kirk on Star Trek. Uh, Chris Pine. Chris Pine, that's it. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then, uh, so as I said, um, Kenneth Branagh plays the main bad guy and is directing it. And uh, Kira Knightley plays the love interest. So we have, so far we have uh, uh, The Smog, what's The, the Hobbit, <laughs> yep. Wolf of Wall Street, 47 Ronin, Jack Ryan, and? And Old Boy. Old Boy, yes. The, uh, the... I guess the remake, Spike Lee's remake of the Korean film, which was based on a Japanese comic book. It, oh, that's a comic book movie? Yeah. Oh, boy? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. He, I, I heard Spike in an interview on the Combat Jack show say that it was more of a, a reimagining of Old Boy as opposed to uh, a remake, which I, I think reimagine. I think it's just semantics at this point. They just want to make an American version. Remember when Will Smith was attached? Yeah. That would be good. If you guys haven't seen Old Boy, it's one of the one of the most disturbing films I've ever seen and one of the dopest movies I've ever seen. Yeah, I think I might have to rewatch it before this one comes out. Why? Uh, just uh just you're gonna know what's gonna happen. Why would you like you should just let that one just sit in the recesses of your ma of your memory and then uh, you might have new experiences watching this American version of this unbelievable Korean film. I'm sure I will. I'm sure it's gonna be a completely different take on that story. But I haven't seen it in so long. I'm kind of having an urge to see it again. Not to just refresh myself. I just kind of want to see it again because it's been so long. So those are your five blockbuster fall movies yeah. that um, people should go see because you believe that they will be excellent or yeah. be, be worth worth their 13 bucks. Absolutely. Good popcorn movies. Just sit back, turn your brain off, and enjoy. All right. So I, I, I asked you to dig in the crates for some nuggets. And yes. I know you are, uh, along with RT, you guys are, and our shout out to our dude, Adnan Verk, who's at ESPN. Shout out to Verk. You guys are huge movie guys, film geeks. So you went digging into the crates and you, you pulled, pulled out five movies that audiences should see that are like Oscar-worthy, Oscar-candidate-worthy films? Yes. A couple I've already seen, and the, the, the majority have yet to come out. What do we got? 
All right. So in no particular order, start with American Hustle, which is David O. Russell's next film. Who's in it? Uh, Christian Bale, Jennifer Lawrence, Bradley Cooper, your boy, and um, <laughs> oh, what's his name? Jeremy Renner. What ha- what's the, it, Amy it's, Adams. It's like an 80s. What, what is it? What's this one again? I think it takes place in the 70s, and it's just about a con man, and then I think Cooper plays an FBI agent who's trying to um, break into his circle somehow, but then gets caught up in the whole con game that he's running. It kind of feels like Blow meets American Gangster meets... Um, um, Al Pacino. What was Al Pacino? Carlito's way. Oh yeah, that's it's, what it feels like. It has, it's it. They all kind of seem to take place in that same era, long hair and bell bottoms and yeah, yeah. and a lot of and excess. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, Tony Ayo and <laughs> stacks and stacks and stacks of hundred dollar bills. Yes, American Hustle. Yeah. Okay, I mean you can't go wrong with that cast, and I loved Silver Linings Playbook. So I'm just more than anything, I'm curious to see what what's what it is because the first trailer they released didn't really tell you much of anything the second trailer is a little bit more revealing but i'm still intrigued because i don't really know what it's about i just want to see christian bale smack people in the face he's just a super intense dude what else we got well i got another christian bale movie (laughs) okay okay and uh this one is directed by a guy named scott cooper he directed the film with jeff bridges called crazy heart and Jeff Bridges won an Oscar he for that. He won Best Actor for that performance. Yeah. Okay. Incre- okay. So. so this movie is about a guy gets out of prison, and his brother is an Iraqi war veteran. And there's no work for him when he comes back from his tour. So he gets involved in um, some kind of crime syndicate, and then the wheels kind of fall off for him. And Christian Bale has to get his hands dirty to... Uh, Seek justice. So, he, he, so his brother gets into the brother's the war vet. Yeah, and then Christian Bale has to go save his brother. Yeah, from what you gather from the previous or what you read about this particular movie, it looks really intense. Like Bale is, uh, it, it doesn't look so much like his kind of really intense roles in terms of his ranting and raving. It looks like a kind of a a moodier take on this character. Casey Affleck plays the brother, who's also gets into um, uh, like. Uh, like bare knuckle boxing or that kind of underground oh, okay. fighting yeah. to make money like cockfighting yeah kind with of humans yeah Zoe <laughs> Zaldana's in it Sam Shepard's in it and yeah what's that movie called again it's called Out of the Furnace Out of the Furnace with Christian Bale yes sir okay what else we got okay this one's a little bit more I guess uh, low key but it's called Philomena uh, J- Dame Judi Dench plays an Irish woman who was forced to give up her child for adoption when she was much younger and now she wants to seek this child out that she gave up for adoption and in the uh, a child the child was adopted by an American family so she travels with Jimmy Coogan who plays a BBC reporter to uh, to find this child and it's based on a true story I believe oh sorry Steve Coogan I'm messing up his name it's Steve Coogan uh, it was actually on my short list for TIFF this past year. Okay, for TIFF. TIFF is an abbreviation for the Toronto International Film Festival. It's brought up a few times on this uh, podcast, and that's sort of the testing ground for many films that get you know uh, Oscar buzz, and it's the first time people, a uh, general audience, sees them, and then they're you know the buzz lasts all the way till you know January or February when the uh, nominations are announced. So. We have American Hustle, Out of the Furnace, and Philomena. Well, that's a PH. 
What else do we got, Ari? All right. Well, speaking of TIFF, this won the uh, Toronto International Film Festival's Audience Award, which was 12 Years a Slave. That's just, that's just a harsh one. Uh, that's, it's, I haven't seen it yet. And oh, you it's haven't? Like, no. And oh, I'm, man. What are you waiting? I mean, I waited two weeks because I was afraid to watch it. Like, I like last year was Django Unchained. Yeah. This year, 12 Years a Slave. Like, ah. I don't want to get pun- I don't need to get gut punched again and again and again. This mate- this material is so harsh and I'm sure on screen the physical punishment that these characters go through is just I know I will feel severely uncomfortable. Was it uncomfortable to watch? Or how uh, how uncomfortable was it to watch? There were um it wasn't gratuitous use of that infamous word like in Tarantino's film. There were some very difficult scenes to watch in terms of the treatment of Chiwetel Ejiofor's character, and there's another um, another character, I forget the character's name, but the actress's name is... And this is the one with, like, it's Michael Fassbender and uh, Alexander, not Alexander McQueen, Steve, no, it is... Wait, Alexander McQueen, or is it Steve McQueen? Alexander Steve McQueen. Alexander Steve McQueen was the designer. Was the designer who, yeah, who died. And, and Steve McQueen is also an old school He's an iconic icon uh, who died actor. In, yeah. Okay, so Steve McQueen, Steve the McQueen. Brit, is the director. Yes, And sir. Ma- Michael Fass- Fassbender is one of the lead actors. Yeah, he's more of a supporting lead, but he was incredible. He was... Uh, you ever want to see him play bad, this is the one to watch. He's, he's pretty awful in this. And this is the one that uh, Brad Pitt... Yeah, uh, produced. He produced, and he and he was uh, he played a small part in it, a small integral part in the film. But he was, yeah, he I think his plan B produced it. And I, and this was uh, it was that night that it screened at the Toronto International Film Festival. Our friend RT uh-huh. Randolph Thorne found himself at the after party at the Thompson Hotel with the cast. Uh, Giamatti was up there. Is Giamatti in the movie? He's in it briefly as well, yeah. Okay, Paul Giamatti was there. Chiwetel Ejiofor obviously was there. Yeah. Brad Pitt was there. And the whole party got shut down as soon as BP entered the, the premises. <laughs> and, it, and, you know, and, and RT has this... Uh, story about how he like he was with a couple of girls and you know he's trying to get the girls to go meet like he wanted yeah, to it was security was tight on that one yeah he wanted to be like okay girls I'll try to get you to meet Brad Pitt I think he succeeded but it took it took some uh, I think he had to sign his firstborn over to the uh, security guard to get that right his, fir- his firstborn is <laughs> gonna be in plan B as a production assistant for the first 12 years of his life like the movie so 12 years why should the, why is this movie getting so much Oscar buzz it's um it's not so much, uh, how do I put this? It's a very interesting view of that time of history. And McQueen gives you a certain look. He, uh, Sorry, his interpretation is very unique in the way that he tells this man's story. This, um, I forget the character's name now. Isn't it, so- isn't it Solomon? Solomon uh, Northrup. Solomon yes. Northrup, yeah. Who kind of faded away after he became an abolitionist after... And um, he kind of faded out of history until someone rediscovered him and brought this story to, I guess, Plan B. But it was just the way he shot it, his the way he um, interpreted this material was just really unique, and I I found that most compelling. And and, and the actors, yeah, the actors are great. Like um, I always find it incredibly brave for any actor to take on. A role like that, especially one where you have to be so evil in the sense that um, you're using all this derogatory language. I'm like, how do they get into that? 
headspace where they're like. And you're talking about Fassbender. Fassbender and Giamatti and Paul Dano plays this despicable little character in it as well, and um, and they you hate them when they're when you're watching the movie, but then you realize like wow they did a great job of acting. It was just because they did such a a good interpretation of how it was back then. And they're quite. I'm I'm assuming they're very believable. Yeah. Like, there's one point where Paul Dano sings this song to the slaves that are gathered before they go to work, and it's, to call it offensive would be an understatement, and the fact that he had to sing this song, I was, I was shocked, but it was tremendously effective, because it, it kind of laid the theme out there for what these people had to go through and this was only, what, 150 years ago, I guess, 1850s? So not that long ago. I mean, sorry, it's a long time ago, but you think about it, some of this language is still pretty... It's prevalent. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah, it's, it's still... There, there's a whole... Uh, to, to, to bring it into a sports context, I mean, the past two weeks, yeah. have the headlines have been rife with Richie Incognito, the offensive lineman for the Miami Dolphins, who was bullying a teammate, Jonathan Martin, in the way that he was, when you're talking about this this despicable language, Jonathan Martin recorded a voicemail on his phone left by his teammate, Richie Incognito, where Richie Incognito calls him a half N-word. Yep. And that language was, was, you know, was rampant in the Miami Dolphins locker room, not just by Richie Incognito, obviously a lot of the African-American players as well, but you're just, language, you know... That particular word is always, it's a, it's a lightning storm. Oh. You know, people of a certain, yeah, it is a power gig. Yeah. People of a certain age will react to it differently than the new generation, which seems that the, the, the sting of the word doesn't seem to have the same effect. So that's 12 Years a Slave, yes. number four of your Oscar-worthy films. What is number five? Number five, um, Mandela, A Long Walk to Freedom. Oh. And... I was surprised to see that the budget for this was under thirty mil. Because it, because it, it looks like it looks like such a a big film when you see the trailer, but when you think of a big movie like that, you think, oh, it had to have a high budget. But it looks like they shot it for a pretty small amount. And Idris Elba is one of my favorite actors. Idris Elba this summer was in Pacific Rim, one of the movies that you yeah. recommended to see, which was visually out of this world. Um, and he's also in a, a BBC show called Luther, and he's famously in The watch. Wire. Yep, Stringer Bell. And he's—I just saw that he's—he's uh, doing a movie in Brazil, or maybe it takes place in Brazil, where it was described at, as his audition to play James Bond down the road. <laughs> like so he's got to save this kid, and it's like this suspense thriller, and. I just I didn't click through the article, but just the way that the headline read was like, yeah, it's just like his his audition role to play James Bond because he's been rumored to play to um, succeed um, uh, Daniel Craig as the next James Bond. Well, I think to play James Bond, you have to have that cool factor, which most of them do, and and he's a cool dude. Like I remember he uh, he was in shooting Pacific Rim in Toronto, and I saw him once, and he just seemed to have this swagger. And like you saw him in real life. Uh, yeah, I saw him. He's a tall dude, and, and he just kind of. Walking around like he had, uh, you know, something that nobody else had. He just had that look about him, like that movie star look. But he was really cool about it. I uh, I read that G GQ was on the cover of GQ uh, magazine. I think it was in July or, or August, and he was it was like a style issue, and 
and he he was talking about it, the article was talking about his past, how he was like a laborer and he worked in this factory and. You know, he just said, he just said, F this, I'm moving to New York to try to, you know, pursue my, my dream. And he was back and forth from London to New York for a few years and just scrambling while he was in New York, like living on couches, like having no money. And it's kind of one of those rags to riches stories, stories, but he always had a confidence in this, this self-confidence and this aura about him. And, you know, it's, he might be the next James Bond. Hey, man. We already, we, there's been a black president. Why can't there be a black James Bond? <laughs> I mean, he's already got the accent, so he's halfway there. Exactly. He is, he is halfway there. And he's not a midget. No. Like Daniel Craig, I don't think, I don't know how tall he is, but he he doesn't look that tall. I, Pierce Brosnan, I feel like, was like 6'2". Roger, Roger Moore, I have no idea. Sean Connery was a tall man. I mean, I think in the pantheon of James Bond dudes, I think most people, Sean Connery won I don't even know where George Lazenby uh, goes. He was one and done, but... He wasn't one and done. I it, I, th- I guess it goes Roger Moore, then Daniel Craig, or Daniel Craig, then Roger Moore. I think, I think a th- lot of people would put Roger Moore number two, or even one... I'm sorry, not Roger Moore. Uh, Daniel Craig, two, or even one A. Well, I think I think Sean two. Connery will always have that. Yeah, he, Sean he was Connery the first. was an icon yeah. in that uh, James Bond uh, legacy. So those are the five. Are there, are there more? Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's one called All Is Lost, and I haven't seen it yet. It's with Robert Redford, and he plays this guy who's on a sailboat, wakes up one morning, a tanker, uh, like one of those storage tanker containers that, that go on tankers that get shipped across the ocean, has must have fallen off a boat and crashes into his sailboat, gives it a big hole. So he's trying to repair it. Big storm comes, and he's stranded. His ship is going to sink, so he has to go overboard in the lifeboat, and it's pretty much about his will to survive this ordeal. And oh. there's like very minimal dialogue. It's mostly just him on the water and that's it and it's supposed to be amazing. So so he so it's uh it's his version of life of pi <laughs> pretty much no meets, tiger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> meets uh Wilson, not Wilson. Castaway. Uh, Castaway. <laughs> Tom Hanks. I said Wilson. I think you guys Wilson. knew what I meant though. Um for, but uh for it it came out supposedly early or mid-October. I was looking for it in the theaters in Toronto for like two weeks, couldn't find it. Finally got released. It's playing at the Varsity. So if anybody wants to check it out, that's the place to go see it. I will probably see it this week. All of all is lost. All is lost, yeah. All right. Okay. Number seven. There's this movie by a man named Spike Jones. Yes. <laughs> called Her. Oh, yes. I, it, with Joaquin Phoenix, right? Yeah, Joaquin this is, his, Phoenix. is this his return to cinema? No, he did The Master last year. Oh, was, that's right. Got, yeah, yeah, I think he got Anderson. a nomination for that as well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was great in that. Uh, he plays this kind of awkward, introverted guy yeah, who's what else is suffering from heartache, and then he gets this personal computer that's like an artificial intelligence that he falls in love with, voiced by Scarlett Johansson. So, I mean, how could you fault him there, right? That you can't really <laughs> fault him. I mean, does the thing... So, it's like, he, is it like a like a full 3D character, or is it like he's looking no, at an iPad? No, it's like I'm looking at my iPhone, and she's talking in my ear, and he just has this relationship with her, and then he ends up, I guess, becoming infatuated with this artificial intelligence. Because when he comes home, it speaks to him, right? It's like yep. in his home, right? Yeah, it's like, it's everywhere. I think he has an, a little earpiece that goes with him everywhere he is, so, it, so the voice, her... Is always traveling with him, and um, it's it got really good reviews from the New York Film Festival. So, and Spike Jones is always interesting to watch, like uh, being John Malkovich, um, where the wild things are, adaptation. 
Yeah, Rooney Mara in The Dragon Tattoo, and then her sister who's in House of Cards, Kate Mara. So yeah, Spike Jones did direct Adaptation in 2002. That was an unbelievable movie, and Nicolas Cage, I know there are not a lot of Nick Cage fans out there, but that guy deserved an Oscar for that performance. He was amazing. I know Chris Cooper won, and Meryl Streep was awesome. Critically <laughs> under uh, uh, critically um, underappreciated film adaptation. So who else is in her? Uh, Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara. The okay. girl with the dragon tattoo. And, I th- and Amy Adams. Can we just take a pa- pause? Sure. Amy Adams should have died in... Oh, I don't know if... Uh, I should have... In which movie? Uh, I, I, I guess it's kind of a... Sp- uh, some people probably haven't seen Ma- Man of Steel. Oh, Man of Steel. You should watch the Honest trailer for that one. It's pretty funny. Oh, I love those. We're like the three, <laughs> like they uh, like sixty or seventy uh, mistakes. They uh, point out the mistakes in the movies. The dude, the one thing that cracked me up was when he said uh, uh, General Zod is going to take over Earth because he has the power of dubstep, and then that machine that's going to change Earth into Krypton, and it but it plays dubstep music while we show it. <laughs> I was howling. Those are great. Those, I mean, they're just such like just like. Like jerk off, like a jerk off thing to do. Some guys oh. got obviously got like a week uh, at a time yeah, to just waste on, on pointing out other people's mistakes, <laughs> but it, they're really funny and very unapologetic. But that's true. You can't help but laugh. So that's the cast of her. Yes. What other nuggets did you find? All right, this one I've seen. It's been out since September, and it did well at TIFF as well. Movie Prisoners, which was directed by Canadian Denny Villeneuve. Denny Villeneuve of Incendie. Incendie, yes. And yet another movie in TIFF called uh, the, the Copycat or The Mimic or something like that. This year? This year with Jake Gyllenhaal who plays like twin. Not twins, but... Wait a second. Like, wait a second. Like, doppelg- the, I think it was called The Doppelganger, actually, yeah. So wait, this dude... So Denny Villeneuve had two films in TIFF? Yes. Uh, I feel like that's almost unprecedented. I feel like that's unprecedented. I don't know for sure, but two films in one film festival is like, that's, um, that's unbelievable. And the same actor was For in a director, of- yeah, I'd say that's tough. For an actor, I've seen it where there's been multiple movies with the same actor. But yeah, for a director, that's usually a project takes you about three years yeah. from start to finish. So Prisoners, tell me about Prisoners. I haven't seen this one either, but oh, RT really? says pretty legit. It's fantastic. Like, it's it's a very... It's not a high-concept film. It's, it's about um, two families who are neighbors, and their daughters disappear one day when they are, uh, one family's over at the other family's house for Thanksgiving. They suspect this one weirdo guy, Paul Dono, once again, amazingly creepy. And, uh, oh, that's who Paul Dono is yeah. now. Okay, I, yeah, I can see his face now. Yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, he, they don't have enough to hold him. So they let him go, and Hugh Jackman's character freaks out and kidnaps him and tries to force him to tell him where the girls are. And it's, it's like over two hours, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, intense, but it, it's great. So it, so you think like the, the film itself will be recognized as a, as a film, like as Oscar Center, or because of the performances in the, in the movie? I think the film itself was great. It's definitely um, a, uh, a really tight thriller because... It keeps you guessing throughout the film. You think it's this guy, and you think that guy oh, did it, it's one and of those, then like, it's like, yeah, and you're constantly guessing throughout the film, which is great. I love movies like that that are are really complicated and keep you trying to figure out what's going on. But uh, Jackman's performance is great, and Melissa Leo is really good in that as well. And Paul Dano is super creepy. Okay. Yeah, like he he he's not really famous for um, 
He's not like a big movie superstar, but you keep seeing him in stuff, and he's always good. He's always good. Wasn't he? Wasn't he in uh, There Will Be Blood? Yes. As the guy who got, gets his milkshake. Drink? Yes. Yes. I he I see your milkshake, <laughs> and I drink it up. Awful impression <laughs> of Daniel Day Lewis. DDL. I have your milkshake. Anyway, he's the guy who has the religious transformation or something like well, that. Well, he right? played. There was two brothers, two twins. Ah. Oh. So he played both of those guys, obviously. But Paul Dano. Yes. Prisoners. Prisoners, definitely worth watching. Um, I think it might still be in theaters, but I'm sure it'll be out on Blu-ray probably before the, the end of the year. Or before the Oscar season. For sure. For sure. But yeah, that's definitely worth a watch. Like, That's worth your thirteen bucks absolutely. and potential Oscar, and we should have some Oscar buzz. Yep. Well, we'll get into that later, but okay, for sure. <laughs> what else have we got? <laughs> uh, the Dallas Buyers Club. That's another TIFF movie with Matthew McConaughey. He plays a, a real life dude who has, contracts AIDS, and he is unable to get the medication that he needs. From his American doctors, so he travels down to Mexico. He finds the drugs that he needs, and they're actually quite cheap and more readily available. So he brings a whole bunch back up to the states, and then he starts this subscription club where people who also are suffering from HIV and AIDS can get this medication. And Jared Leto plays uh, this transvestite who partners up with him to distribute these medications that they're unable to get in the states and i think this is also based on a true story and wait the transvestite part is a true story no also? the whole the whole film oh the whole film okay. yeah and uh mcconaughey looks great i mean he looked not not physically, physically not like he's his not his no yeah, his performance looks great like he looks like he pulled a christian bale in the machinist lost like 30 pounds or something yeah he's gaunt oh yeah in, from what i've seen in the, in the in photos and stuff like that as is uh jared leto Unrecognizable in the trailer. Really? Oh yeah, he well, plays, he the, plays dude, the transvestite. Yeah, he plays the transvestite. But when I first saw the trailer, I was like, "Oh, oh, oh, that's what?" Wow, like wow, who is that dude? Yeah, but he's he'll probably the, both of those guys will probably get Oscar buzz for this one. I would think. And that was called the Dallas Bu- the Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah, it's out right now. It's supposed to come out in December, but it got moved up. All right, so we have a pretty good list so far. So, so just a quick recap: American Hustle, Out of the Furnace. Philomena, 12 Years a Slave, All is Lost, Her, Prisoners, and Dallas Buyers Club. Did I miss one? Yeah, Mandela. And Mandela. We only touched on that briefly, but... And Mandela. Uh, this movie won the Palme d'Or at Cannes, and it's called Blue is the Warmest Color. Wait, 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 wait. Blue is the Warmest Color. If I remember correctly, this... There, are there lesbians in this one? Yes. And isn't there like a really graphic love scene in this one? Well, I was reading up on it. I haven't seen it yet. It's three hours, so it's gonna take some, some, uh, some patience to sit through this one. But it's uh, it's supposed to be really good. But yeah, apparently they used um, uh, prosthetic vaginas for the really graphic scenes. Oh my! This yeah. is the, this might be too graphic for Gabby presents. <laughs> However, we're just giving it to you uncut. Yep. And real and raw. And really raw. Shout out to old dirty bastard who uh, <laughs> likes it raw because uh, I only I'm only thinking about that because it's the 20 year anniversary of Enter the 36 Chambers, one of the greatest hip hop albums ever recorded. 
I, that relates nothing to <laughs> Blue is the Warmest Color, the film that won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival. And they actually gave it to the actors, not the director. What? Yeah. So the two actresses, uh, I, I'll try and pronounce her name. It's uh, Adele Exarchopoulou. Okay. And uh, the director, apparently in France, you have a lot more leeway with how you can direct your actors and actresses. So they signed the contract. They pretty much, at his whim, he can tell them to do whatever he wants. That's what I was told. I don't know if that's actual fact, but apparently they said they would never work with him again. Oh, wow. Yeah, even though it's gotten such critical acclaim and such recognition, uh, the two young women who are in this film. What did, they, what did he make them do? Well, they shot over 800 hours of footage. That's ridiculous. It's a three-hour film. Yeah. They w When we were at school, we were taught that it's a 10-to-1 ratio, so you shoot 10 times as... M For every 10 minutes that you shoot, you'll use one of those minutes, and whether it's edited down or like one good minute of it. So that's it's, it's, it works in television and film. This is That's ridiculous. Well, what he was doing was he was following Adele around a lot and just shooting her... While she was doing stuff, just like we're doing right now, just sitting, talking, or eating, or sleeping, or whatever, he just he'd shoot just normal, mundane stuff, and a lot of that was used in the film. And even the character's name wasn't supposed to be Adele, but because the the lead actress, the other lead actress, they were in these just normal, candid moments, and they ended up shooting them. But she kept calling her Adele, Adele, so they had to just change the character's name to Adele. Oh, yeah. So blue is the warmest color. Yeah. You, so is is this one of the films that you believe will have Oscar buzz, whether it's for best foreign film or whether it's for best film? I think definitely best foreign film will. You know, there's always one that that leads the charge every year. Yeah. And I think this will definitely uh, be up there. And then also the lead actress uh, Adele X R Shapalu. I think she'll get a lot of notice for this. Maybe not a maybe not a nomination. But potentially one. She might have an outside shot and definitely a lot of notice from Hollywood, I think. So just a quick recap. I'm in here with Ari Pollock, who's my film guru. I've asked him to come in to give a fall slash Christmas slash Oscar movie preview. So these are some of the movies that he has seen. And, and if he hasn't seen them yet, he plans to see them. And these are the movies that he believes are worth your 13 bucks. So the, block, so the Hollywood movies, The Hobbit. The Wolf of Wall Street, 47 Ronin, Jack Ryan, Old Boy. I'm on board with all five of those. Check that. I'm on board with four of the five because I'm not going to see The Hobbit. Then we move into the more independent flicks. And some of these are little nuggets that he pulled out. American Hustle, Out of the Furnace, Philomena, 12 Years a Slave, All is Lost, Her, Prisoners, not Her Prisoners, but Her, her Comma, Prisoners, comma, Dallas Buyers Club, Mandela, and finally, blue is the warmest color. Yes, sir. It's a pretty good list. It's a good list. I mean, I had my uh, my fall movie list this year was ridiculous. It was over sixty films that you're trying to see in like four months: September, October, yeah, November, December. Crazy. I mean, I've I've cut a few out because. Some got really horrid reviews, and some, I was like, oh, I'll wait till that comes out on video. But initially, it was huge, and now I've kind of dropped Dude, it down that's about 15 four. movies a month. I won't, I won't be able to watch that's three no, movies I, a week. Yeah. Like, four, four movies a week. Yeah, it's impossible. Since we're in the Oscar buzz season, what are your, what are your front runners as far as best films, actors and actresses, and directors? 
I know this is early, but Ari's just gonna pre he's just putting some little seeds in your minds. And if he's right, then you can thank him when you see him because you heard it here first on the Cabby Presents podcast. All right. So best picture. Remember now you can nominate up to ten. So I got a few up there, but I think twelve years a slave is leading the pack right now. Uh, Captain Phillips is, Phillips is up there. Uh, Tom Hanks was in that, and Paul Greengrass directed that one. And that just reminded me how good of an actor Tom Hanks is. Was I, Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips. And I love um, Paul Greengrass's work, uh, the Born Identity movies and uh, United 93. He just has a really good way of showing these moments without too much bias in either direction. And I heard Tom Hanks is going to get is getting buzzed for the Walt he plays Walt Disney. Yes. What's that movie called? Saving Mr. Banks, I think. Sa- yeah. Yeah. And and that one comes out in December, so he'll yeah. like there'll be maybe the buzz will be too much for they'll it'll cancel each other out. Who knows? I believe that's happened before it in has the past. Happened I just <laughs> I just can't remember. So those are those are two front runners? Yeah. Uh, I think Gravity has to be up there just because it was such a cinematic feat for Alfonso Cuaron, who made you feel like you were trapped in space. Like, I was literally clutching myself in the movie theater watching that, and I've seen it twice, and the second time around, I was still clutching myself. Nice. And I knew what was going to happen. Nice. So, and for those who haven't seen that yet, I highly recommend seeing it in IMAX, if you can still see it in IMAX. Uh, it, it's one of those visual spectacles that you can't get the same experience at home. You need to see that on a big screen. I have a theory about gravity, but I can't tell it yet because there are people out there that haven't seen it. Okay. But I have a theory about it, and I, it makes the movie more interesting to me. Okay. You can tell me after. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, I think Dallas Buyers Club will have an outside chance at a Best Picture, as will American Hustle, and then Wolf of Wall Street. Those in my mind are going to be leading the charge for Best Picture. I wonder how. I hope it's. I wonder how different it is from the movie Wall Street. Wall Street's like an iconic film with Michael Douglas and Charlie Sheen. Directed and I believe it was written by Oliver Stone. I think yeah. written and directed, but I, I I mean Scorsese's his own he's his own man and he's a, an icon and a visionary. I just hope it's a lot different. It based on the trailer, it almost looks more like a music video type vibe hmm. for well because watching the first trailer, it was just like Kanye's um oh what was the uh, the song that they uh. That they play for that trailer. I can't remember, but was it New Slave? Black Skinhead. Black Skinhead. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. So that I watched that. I was like, wow, this looks cool. And then the second trailer, you see all kinds of other things, and it's narrated by DiCaprio, but it still has that same kind of up tempo vibe to it. Well, Scorsese never wins. Like he, he always uh, gets, always gets Oscar buzz, but he never wins. He never wins. It's unfortunate, but he's one of the iconic directors of our generation. Agreed. And one thing about Scorsese films is that the music is an integral part of the tapestry he creates. A lot of his movies, I think of like Casino and... Goodfellas. Goodfellas. There's just so much music and... And The like, Departed. Yeah, and The Departed. Just like 70s classic rock. And um, and so he almost like... There are like like many music videos in a way in certain uh, scenes. Well, since we're talking about Scorsese, I already we just assume that he's in a, the leading the charge for Best Director, but... Alfonso Cuaron, who I already mentioned for Gravity, Steve McQueen for 12 Years a Slave. He has to get a nomination for what he did. Uh, Paul Greengrass, outside chance. David O. Russell, I think he's got a good chance. If, for American, if Hustle. American Hustle's good, he should get a nomination. And Silver Linings Playbook was last year, yeah? Yeah. With Jennifer Lawrence, Bradley Cooper, Robert De Niro all getting a- uh, 
acting nominations and Jennifer Lawrence winning. She did win, yeah. For Silver Linings Playbook. She's fantastic. She is fantastic. Okay, so what about the actors? Okay, Chiwetel Ejiofor, it goes without saying, he was amazing. Uh, I don't know how he went to work every day and just lived that. So give him a, an A-plus just for that. But he he really held the movie together. He was he was the, the foundation of that film. So and I, we're talking about 12 Years a Slave, the lead actor slave. in 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. And he's always good in everything he does, and so this hopefully will get him some uh, some hardware. Uh, Hugh Jackman from Prisoners, very intense. Oh. He's, a, he's a great actor. He's just, yeah. Even the clip last year, Les Mis. When I I didn't see the movie, but when I saw the clip when they're previewing the the best actor nominations, and you oh, see yeah. you see him singing, and he's got like a a vein through his forehead. I'm like, this is amazing, and yeah. he's like, he's so intense. I'm like, man, that performance right there, that 12 second clip should earn him an Oscar, but it didn't. <laughs> nope. Uh, Tom Hanks. Captain Phillips? Captain Phillips. Or the Walt Disney one? Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips was more relevant to our time, I believe. Walt Disney, I think I think it'll be characterized. I mean, uh, it'll be more of a caricature. So I don't I don't think the the level of intensity that he achieved uh in Captain Have you seen it yet? No. Ugh. I'm hearing a lot of this for the first time, probably like much of the audience. I was I was really emotional at the end of that film. And it it just it reminded me of how subtle his performance was. Okay, but emotional in which way? Like, well, do you like? Did you want to cry? Or were you yeah. angry? You okay. like that kind of emotional? Yeah. Listen, I was I watched it with my dad. Okay. And I could hear him sniffling next wow. to me, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I'm, and that to me, I think that affected me just as much as watching the the film because you're sitting next to your dad and you can hear him kind of. You know, sniffling a little bit because it's really emotional what's happening in the film. And uh, I was like, wow. And then I was just reminded of, like, it just reminded me of how strong an actor Tom Hanks is without you even, without it being too flashy. I can't even, I'm trying to think of a movie that I've had that re reaction with with my own pops. Or like a, a movie where a father and a son would have that kind of reaction to. Like, I know I know, Field of Dreams is like yeah. the big one. Hey, Dad, you want to have a catch? Yep. And that's like emotional for, for, you know, for men, that scene. But I don't, I, I don't know if like, uh, if there's, this is the first I'm, I'm hearing of. Well, watch, uh, watch the movie and then okay, you let me know. I will. <laughs> I, will. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, and I was talking about it earlier, but Robert Redford in All Is Lost. I think if you, you're the sole person carrying a film with minimal dialogue and you have to find things to do for a two-hour movie, let's assume it's two hours, I think that alone is, is an acting feat. And, and I think it'll reaffirm Robert Redford as a strong actor as well. Because he hasn't really done much in the last little while. He's directed a bunch of good stuff. But as an actor, he hasn't really done anything that's um, asserted his ability in the last little while. Has, um, was that young actor in The Life of Pi, was he nominated for an Oscar? I don't think he was, no. Kate Blanchett, she may have been forgotten. For Greatest actress alive, oh, not named Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep's almost... Too good now. It's they, she gets taken for granted how good she is. Yes, that's but true. But Kate Blanchett in this movie called Blue Jasmine, which is Woody Allen's version of a streetcar named Desire, basically. And she, it came out in the summertime, so I think a lot of people might not have seen it, or it might have even been forgotten. But I think there should be a push for her performance. And um, Woody Allen has. Uh, a good history of his lead actresses winning awards. 
You can think Mira Sorvino, Diane Wiest. Um, can't think of anyone recently, but he usually has a, a knack for giving great material to uh, his actresses. And that, this, I think, will be a good chance for her to get another nomination. I mean, how many, I don't know how many she has, probably at least three Right Meryl Streep? No, Kate uh, Blanchett. Oh, Kate Blanchett. Oh, Blanchett. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, nominations, yeah. I, I, I ran into a dude that I know who was forced to go see that movie. As oh. I was leaving, I think I saw The Butler or I saw some something else. And I was like, dude, what movie are you going to go see? And he's like, oh, man, Blue Jasmine. I'm like, which one's that one? He goes, the Woody Allen movie. I'm like, oh, that sucks for you, dude. <laughs> sucks for you. Well, she plays, I think she plays an alcoholic woman trying to escape her husband or something like that and then she ends up going to live with her sister but she's getting a lot of raves for this performance who else we got judy dench dame judy dench dame my apologies dame judy dench or philomena uh i'm gonna throw up adele exar shopalu okay for i'm probably butchering her name blue is the warmest color <laughs> blue is the warmest color um and sandra bullock for gravity hmm. i i don't think she'll win but I think she did a great job of portraying that role, which could have easily slid into something that was kind of campy. Not campy, but not taken seriously. And she did a good job of kind of anchoring that film. Even though it was like a big sci-fi tentpole, she humanized the film. That makes any sense. It does make sense. And I think those are all worthy candidates. But uh, with that said, I haven't seen any of that stuff, so I'm really just speaking. You got some out work of my, to do. Yeah, I'm speaking out of my butthole. <laughs> but I brought you in, Ari, because you're the expert, and well, I'm the you. gas bag. I just I'm the rhino, and you're the one with the intelligence. So I, I lean on you for your film knowledge and your recommendations, and hopefully you guys will at home as well. One last thing. So Sandra Bullock fl uh, floats around in space. Yes, sir. For a long time in Gravity. Actually, the movie's only 90 minutes, so it's not a long time where you're sitting and watching, but it's a long time for her character in space. And being as though you're a comic book guy and you like the sci-fi genre and you like the fantasy genre, my question to you is this, and I just asked Nigel this the other day when we, he was on the podcast. Nigel's also the other comic book guy. Why don't comic book characters in the movies, why don't they stay dead? And this is my, this is my, to, to further this question, I saw Star Trek 2 this year. Captain Kirk dies in Star Trek 2. Spoiler alert. <laughs> if you haven't seen it by now, then the statute of limitations has already run out. On but the then he comes back in the movie. He's not dead. Okay? Here's another one. Nigel and I spoke about X-Men Days of Past which is coming out next year. And according to the trailers, Professor X is still alive. But in our last podcast, Ari, we brought up that he died. He did die in X3. And Phoenix, not Phoenix. Or was it the Phoenix? It was the Phoenix, yeah. Yeah, kills P Professor X. So why is he in the trailer for the new X-Men movie? Well, you know how uh, Marvel... And shout out to Marvel Studios because they are killing it right now. Yes, they're, they're printing taking over money. Pop. They're printing yeah. their oh, own money. Amazing. Can't wait for them to get Spider-Man rights back. But at the end of X3, there's that body, which was supposedly Professor X's twin brother who was brain dead. Wait, Professor X has a twin brother now? 
Well, in the comic books, he actually has a twin sister. But they made it a twin. How do we even know he's got a twin? So which one? Twin. One of the twins is is alive in the new X Men movie. Yeah. So basically, his consciousness went into that body at the end of the movie. You can see the brainwave scanner going off. That's ridiculous. And I thought the plot of that whole X Three movie was brutal. They did. They killed too many people. They just did. They went a little crazy with that one. And I'm watching The Shield. Nigel and I are both watching The Shield. And Agent Coulson is alive, but I remember he caught Loki's friggin' sword, staff, right in the chest. That's part of the, uh, that's actually part of the plot, his resurrection. They haven't touched upon it too much yet. In The Shield, the in, TV show. In the TV show. In Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., he, there's, they keep hinting at it. They keep dropping little hints about what happened to him. He thinks he was just revived and spent a couple weeks in Tahiti. But there's definitely way more to it than that, and Joss Whedon's already alluded to it in interviews and stuff. He said it's it's a point of contention. We're not going to reveal it yet, but there is something specific that they're going to use from that. So getting back to know, your question, I just don't know, and I don't know why Gwyneth Paltrow didn't die in Iron Man three. She blew up in the house. They shot rockets at the house. Like you're dead. You're vaporized. She got the the armor thrown on her. Come on, man. <laughs> Great movie and like a lot of fun. Yes. She should have died. <laughs> are you gonna try to? You can't defend that. Are you gonna try to defend any of those? Uh, it's it's hard to defend those when you're looking at them through um, the prism of reality because <laughs> in reality we don't have a dude who can create a suit of armor that can fly and shoot missiles. <laughs> okay, so you but... have to suspend your disbelief, <laughs> and that's the whole thing about the comic book genre. Is a lot of it is is surreal so it takes place in reality or in 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 an imagined reality but there's certain things that you have to accept like people being born with claws and healing factors that's just one of the things that you are like all right cool that's that's the way it's going to go and and you just accept that as reality for that film i'm going to accept this as a reality you're are you are a great uh, friend, and you are my go-to film guy. Whenever I have questions, I'm like, let me text Ari. I'll go to my own IMDb. And I hope that you guys learned a bunch about the upcoming movies. And as you will uh, undoubtedly enter your Oscar pools in late February, know that the ideas got planted in your head by my guest, Ari Pollock who could be found on Twitter at fellas X the truth. Yes, sir. And I don't, I do you have a lot of stuff on Instagram. I've got a few things. What's, what's your handle on Instagram? The truth, 1877. Okay. So it's like, you're one of these Ronin guys, <laughs> the truth, 18 on Twitter, fellas X, the truth. All right, Pollock. Thank you for stopping by. And thank you for the fall slash Christmas slash Oscar movie preview. Pleasure as always. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you for listening to Cabbie Presents, the podcast.